That is, our, that is our theme today. Oh, wow. Okay, there we go. And as I mentioned, that's our theme today, kind of groups and connecting. So go to your Bible or your Bible apps. If you got one to Hebrews chapter 10 in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 10 in the New Testament. And, and you know, how it was awesome. The whole stage was filled with life group leaders. And listen, if there's not a life, if God's placed it on your heart or nudging you to start one, or you've done that in the past, see me ASAP, all right? See me soon, we'll get you plugged in, we'll get you connected, all right? Because we can always use more groups as we continue to grow. Um, there's some truth here this morning, and, and the, the message this morning is, is a big part of our vision and mission here at Oso Creek. And I, I know we, we, the service has run a little bit long, so I just got a few brief words. Everyone say brief. brief. I'll try to stay brief, that's okay. Um, but... There's some truth here this morning. I ask, is there anyone out there who you're driving down the road? So you're the driver of the car, okay? You're driving down the road. You're in complete control of your vehicle. Everybody, everybody got me? You're tracking, okay? But you have someone in the seat next to you or, or, or behind you, all right? And they are helping you drive. Anybody raise your hand? Huh? Yeah? You, you know what I'm talking about That. Look, she's not here. I think she's helping in kids right now, but I've got that person too. Uh, you see those brake lights that are 20 miles in front of us? You know, uh, uh, did you see that other car that's trying to merge over? You know, you're following too close. You're next to a semi. Please slow down or speed up. The light is yellow. Red light, red light, red light, red light. <laughs> Anybody else know what I'm talking about, right? And, 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 and here, here's one, you know, I promise you, we're sitting at the green light. The light turns green, like the word said, in the twinkling of an eye, as soon as it turns green. Green light! I'm like, I get it, right? Anyone else have a person like that in your car, you know, yeah? Behind you, in front of you, it's be okay. Well, well, here's the truth. Although it can be a little irritating, okay, the truth is they're actually looking out for you. Trying to say, <laughs> that must be the, that must be the uh, other seat driver. <clears throat> They're seeing things that maybe you might not. And, and here's the thing, even though as irritating as it might be, they're actually trying to help you. They're actually trying to help you, you know, but, but what do we say? I don't need your help. I'm okay. I've got control. I saw that. At least that's what I say all the time, okay? Look, there's a spiritual lesson here. The spiritual life can be like this. And gang, we need someone next to us helping us navigate the road of this spiritual journey that we're on. And yes, we, we have the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us and teaching us, but listen to this truth. God has also sent us each other to help us along the way. I want to say that again for those outside. God has also sent us each other to help us along the way. God uses people. God uses people to help people, all right? Especially in the body of Christ. God uses other believers to help us. The writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews writes about this. I want us to read it. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, 
by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, okay? Can we just praise Jesus right now for for what he's done for us? I mean, that is some powerful scripture right there. Those are some powerful truths, okay? We can enter the holy place of the presence of God because of Jesus' shed blood for us. He's our great high priest who's always making intercession for us. And we are clean, not by our works, not by our good deeds, not by our super morality, or because we don't do this or do that, or we don't watch this, or we don't, all those kinds of things, okay? We are clean because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so because of those eternal truths, Because of what we just read about what Christ has done and our status in Christ, the author of Hebrews continues in the next three verses. So because of that, because of what Christ has done, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and, there's an and there, it connects it, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Bam! It's like the author drops the mic and walks off, all right? This morning, as we are celebrating and emphasizing our life groups and our groups and our studies and ministries, that's why I'm wearing this shirt. I ask our leaders to wear their shirts. I really want us to focus on verses 24 and 25 of Hebrews 10. These are two very often quoted scriptures, okay? As I mentioned earlier, we need someone next to us helping us navigate the road of this spiritual journey. No, I can do it alone, Greg. I can do it alone, man. I don't need anybody else. Yeah, you do. You really do, okay? And getting together as believers publicly and privately in groups, look, this is not a new thing. It's not just this new fad or trend in the church. Like all of a sudden someone thought, hey, let's just start having life groups. Let's start having, you know, know, private meeting groups. I think that'll be a new trend fad. No, no, this happened in the Bible. In Mark 3, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those that he wanted. That's a group. And then in Mark 3, verse 14, it says he appointed 12 that they would be with him. What is that? That's a small group, all right? In Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, that the members of the early church daily met in the temple, they met daily in the synagogue, and daily they met in each other's homes. We see in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, the same, same record. Every day they met in the temple courts, and the early church, the believers met from home to home to home to home, Okay. In Acts 20, verse 20, we read that Paul himself testified that he taught the word of God, not only publicly, but from house to house to house to house, okay? So so I want to say something. I want to be very loud and clear this morning. I want it to ring and ring and ring and ring. Groups are important. Tell that to somebody next to you, all right? And, And for here at Oso Creek, man, they are a vital and important part of the vision and mission here which is discipleship, spiritual formation, and experiencing God's presence. 
Those two things, as we grow in Jesus, grow in community, and as we stay on mission. So groups play a major part in this. And I'm not just talking about the life groups. I'm talking about life groups, the women's Bible studies. They're also students partnering with the Salt College Ministry that's meeting here now on Thursday nights. Yay! And it's awesome. The men's breakfast and the men's ministry gatherings, gatherings like Creek Brunch that's after this service. And if you didn't bring anything, that's okay. Stay and eat with us and fellowship with us, right? Yes. Because I, I want to give the life group leaders maybe an opportunity to share more if they, they want to, okay? But then there's church-wide gatherings, there's retreats and events, all kinds of things that we're planning, okay? So that while we grow larger as a church, guess what? And that's important. That's part of our vision and mission too. We're growing smaller at the same time. Growing more into, I'm not talking about cliques, I'm not talking about social hierarchy, and no, no, I'm talking about as we grow bigger, we grow smaller in relationships as well. We do that through the various life groups and all the studies and ministry opportunities that are offered. And the author of our text in Hebrews is talking about this, and, and, and our text today, it, it's a call for the believers in the body of Christ. This is our call. This isn't just something to to shrug off or read over in Hebrews 10 really quickly or dismiss it. This is a call for us, Hebrews chapter 10. So in examining this text, I want us to talk about five things this morning, five points, if you will, okay? The first one is this, as as the author writes in verse, I think it's 24 there, let us consider. Verse 24, let us consider. That's what he says first. And notice, after all of that he said that Jesus has done and we're clean and our hearts, our conscience is clean and and we can enter the presence of God and the holy place because of Jesus, okay? Because of all that, now let us consider, okay? How to stir one another to love and good works. And I ask you, have you personally considered how to stir one another to love and good works? I've said it many times, most of you know this, but the New Testament was written in the Greek language, and the word consider here by the author is the Greek word kataneo, kataneo, and it simply means to think about each other, to think about each other. So he's like, let us think about one another and how to stir each other up. This is our duty as believers. This is a requirement of ours. The Greek essence of that word means to give attention to each other, to watch over each other, to give continuous care to each other, to fix our attention on each other. Katanaeo, it means to perceive, to perceive, to, to take note, to consider carefully each other. That's what it is in the Greek notes there. And sadly, there's, there's many believers, I, I feel, who, who never even think about this. There's some do, some feel very called to it, but I feel the, the vast majority is just concerned with the letter I. I, okay? Just imagine how strong the church would be or could be if every believer would take this to heart and give attention to each other, look after each other, and truly think about each other. Guys, this, this, our model is the early church, and that's how they rolled. <laughs> that was their MO. They really needed each other, and they were there for each other. They always considered each other. They perceived each other how to stir each other up, okay? That's what the New Testament records. They were together and in community. I did a whole series on that last year. You know, I mentioned this in the pastor's corner of the bulletin, but 
But somewhere at some point in our very recent church history, this thing called the church gathering has just been relegated, you know, to to an hour and a half time frame on Sunday morning. And there's, there's some churches that the services aren't even that long. I'm talking about maybe like a mere 45 minutes. It's so timed. It's so scheduled. It's, it's let's get them in as many as we can and let's get them out so we can get more in, okay? And, and look, I, I'm all about church ministries and church operations. That's my life. That's my job. That's my, uh, that I love reading articles after articles about all those kinds of things, okay? And so I understand the discussion of, you know, that takes place about the length of Sunday morning services. I get all that, and you know, it's, it's why we try to time it a certain way because the mind can only endure what the seat can take, you know what I'm saying? And, and trust me, you guys, believe me, I, I know when I've gone a little too long because all of a sudden I, I see wandering eyes, I, you check your phone, you, or you check your watch, you check your phone, you, you know, I see all those kinds of things, okay? Uh, so I'm like, well, we gotta clean it up, we gotta put it, Jake, get up here and sing, okay? Um, so I understand all that, but, but what does it say that there are cries for the Sunday morning gathering to be as short, fast, and quick as it can be? And then we don't gather with other believers for the rest of the week. Let's get in, let's do our church thing and get out, and I don't want to have anything to do with the believers and my church body or anybody else until I come back next Sunday and kind of do it all again, okay? Come in. Drop my, 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 my tithes and offering in the joy box or scan the QR code. Get my praise and worship on, Greg, and it's good. Yeah, and then I'm out of here, and I'll see you next Sunday. I don't know you, 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 but I'll see you next Sunday, okay? Listen, how are you going to consider, how are we going to be obedient to the Scripture? This is a command, by the way, not an option. It's a command, the authoritative aspect of the Scripture. How are you going to consider to stir one another up to love and good works in just a mere 45 minutes when we just come in, grab coffee, and then leave? The state of the church has sadly become over, overly consumeristic. Like I said, it's focused on, on I. But the author flips that and says, think about how you can stir others up. Matter of fact, that's the original. It's, they didn't flip anything. It started with others. We have morphed into I, I, I. Paul says, think of others. Consider them. That's the, that, that's, that's the exhortation to consider it, to think about it, to, to give attention to it. Basically, how are you going to stir each other up to love and good words, good works? And I asked, do you have a plan for this? Have you considered it? I read where one minister asked the question, what is your plan to impact people? And it's actually a great question because I fear the majority of believers attending churches this morning, they don't have a plan or they've even considered this. Consider the how. How am I going to obey this scripture and stir others up to love and good works and to meet together as we're going to see in a little bit? Because that's part of it. Listen, have a plan to do this. Have a plan to be obedient to scripture. Isaiah 32 verse 8, the, the Old Testament prophet writes, but he who is noble plans noble things and on noble things he stands. So have a plan to do this. And if you don't have a personal plan on how to stir others up, then listen, lean on our plan. Yay! Because we have a plan here at Oso Creek Church, right? 
your church, we have a plan. <laughs> and they are called our groups, life groups. The Bible studies, like I said, the breakfast, the ministries, you name it, the majority of ministry and gatherings that take place on Sunday mornings and beyond is our plans. You know, like Buzz Lightyear says, like, on Sunday mornings and beyond, right? We need to do a t-shirt with that. You know, a little Buzz and also Creek, that'd be cool, right? And listen, I know life is busy and we've got this and that and we got to go over here and time is pulled and we're pushed and we're pressed. Listen, then, then, you know, do what you can. Join what you can. If you can only go to a life group once a month, go. If you only go to the women's Bible study, you know, once every now, go until your schedule can get in there. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we, we, we cheat ourselves. We're like, well, I can't go on a really consistent basis, so I'm not going to go at all. No, that's not going to stir anybody up, and you're not going to get to be stirred up by anybody else because you're pulling yourself out. No, go. Go to a breakfast here and there. Go to one of the retreats, one of the events. Attend a Bible study. If you can't make a life group this week, join another one. We'll take it as you, where you are, Right? Even if you can only do once a month, once every two months, you know, hey, the important part is to get in there, all right? So join our plan, participate in our plan, consider each other by adopting our plan with yours. These moments where we're steering each other up to love and good works. And that leads to discussion number two, stir up one another, as the scripture says. Stir up one another. Man, I love me some coffee. How many know that? I, yeah, I know that. So I'm going to give you a drink right now of our fine bean. It's interesting. I mean, people are like, you know, how do you take your coffee? How do you, I love that phrasing. How do you take your coffee? All right. And I can do black coffee. All right. And, and I can do black coffee only when it's very fresh, freshly roasted and freshly ground. One of the telltale signs to me is whether coffee is really good or not is that I can drink it absolutely black. Okay. Um, and all of the aromas and flavors, you know, burst into emotions in my mouth and my taste buds begin to sing for the, the old 80s cool, cool in the Gang song, you know, celebrate good times. That, that's what happens in my mouth, all right? Celebrate good times, come on, all right? But the majority of time, I, like many, put a little half and half in my coffee with some raw sugar. That's the way I roll. Sugar that hasn't been bleached or processed, okay? I like raw sugar. But there's only one thing about raw sugar, especially in coffee, to really get it to dissolve and stuff, you, you, I've got to really stir it and stir it and stir it and stir it and stir it. I got to go way over the top. I'm sitting there for quite a while. If you see me out there, I'm stirring quite a while, you know, because I cannot stand it. If I don't stir it enough, it really won't dissolve. That pure raw cane sugar, okay? It, it won't dissolve quite easily as bleach processed sugar that's a little bit minuscule, Okay. And I can't stand it when I, when, I, when I drink my coffee cup and I get down and I'm like, I see a big glob of raw sugar there at the bottom, okay? So what I do is I agitate the coffee until it's all mixed up and yummy. I agitate it by stirring and stirring and stirring and stirring and stirring. Gang, that's what we are to perceive and consider doing to each other. The writer of this, this text in Hebrews, he's, he's basically saying, agitate each other to love and good works. Stir here is the Greek word, paroxomasos. And it's where we get our English word, paroxysm. 
which means a violent expression of particular emotion or action. This is a very strong word. Hopefully you can get this. The Greek word means a sharpening. To stir here in the Greek means to stimulate, to incite each other. It's an, it's an incitement towards each other to love and good words. The Greek word here means to provoke each other, to literally provoke each other to love and to good works and to meet together as we'll see in the next verse. I mean, these are tough descriptors for the word stir, okay? To provoke, to stimulate, to incite with the effect Now, here's what the Greek is meaning, in essence, is with the effect of irritation. Remember that driver next to you? Oh, they can be so irritating, right? You see those brake lights? Huh? You know? You're going too fast. Slow down. You leave some more space in between. Now she's sitting up here, you know? She knows she's guilty of all these things. Yeah. (laughs) It's irritating. Right, but she's helping. She's looking out. She's along with the. She's going along with the journey. That's kind of the essence of the Greek word here. And usually, these types of words, you know, provoke, stimulate, incite, irritate, are used in a negative connotation and context. But check this out: the writer of our text purposely uses such strong wording. I mean, it means to sharpen, to sharpen. And he uses such strong wording with the goal of us doing these things, provoking each other, stimulating each other, inciting each other, irritating each other in a good way, in a positive way for kingdom work, for connections, for togetherness, for relationships, for love and good works for the king because he has been good to us, praise the Lord. He's been good to us. You know, we, we are good at provoking people and inciting people and being irritable in a negative way, right? How many is good at that? Oh, man, my man David shot his hand up really quick. All right, yeah. I mean, who's guilty? Raise your hand again. Come on. No liars in church today. All right, the Lord's watching. And don't point to someone else. That's not fair. Okay, it, 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 okay. Of course, usually we provoke or incite People to hatred and anger. Would you just stop? I'm going to punch you in the face. You know what I mean? That kind of a thing. You're so irritable. All right, that stuff. The author tries to, to get a lesson across by using a word that's, that's typically, like I said, used negatively, but spins it in a positive use. Sort of like how the popular expression, random acts of violence, spurred the idiom, random acts of kindness in reverse took that negative and spun it to a positive. But for us, it's not random acts of kindness. The the author says to do it on purpose. We're encouraged to do this. Like one singer saying a few years ago, kill them with kindness, right? And gang, this just isn't about Sunday morning attendance or attending one of our groups. This, this, This encompasses your life as a believer. Make no mistake, oh, he's just talking about life groups and Bible studies. That's not me, so it doesn't apply to me. No, it does. This is your call as a believer, as a disciple of following Jesus. This is the way of the disciple, okay? It's not just about Sunday morning. It's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 24-7. It's all the time. This is your life as a believer. You need to incite 
other believers help them to do what's right in every aspect of your life. So I ask, how are you doing that with other believers in your home or your family or other believers that work with you or other believers that, that you know? Are you stirring up other believers? Are you assisting the Holy Spirit by nudging them and pushing them in a good way? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to use you to push someone, to help someone, to prod someone, to irritate someone in a good way? And even then here at Oso Creek, I would ask, be insightful and irritable in inviting people to attend the things we offer. Here's a great story of that. At one of the last churches we served in New Mexico, Megan and I was, not only were we on staff of the church, but we, we led a life group and there, there was a family that, man, I was, they needed to come to our life group. But, but they just attended, you know, usually just like Sunday morning, Sunday morning, they're a very busy family, and, and I got that, but boy, I would invite them all the time. I would invite them all the time, every time. Hey, you come to our life group. I did this for a few years, okay? A couple of years, gang. <laughs> he probably was like, oh my goodness, there's Greg. Here he comes, another invitation. Get out of here, guys, go. Hurry, family, get out, get out, you know? But I, I was irritable, man, you know? You need to come to our live group. You need to come to our, guess what happened? One, one, one day they did, and then something beautiful happened. Man, they started finding connection and relationships, and they began to get so involved in so many aspects of the church, even, even church leadership. The, the, the father, he, he, he was on the, the church board and everything like that and was a leader, and it was just, it was beautiful to see them blossom in the areas of the church, and then they in turn began to consider how to stir others up to love and good works. So one of the lessons this morning is is to provoke each other and be irritable, but in a good, positive way to push each other to Christ-likeness. Hey, parents, be irritable to your kids. To be in the Word. To be, I don't want to go to church. Get them here. Be that positive influence. You, you've got an unbelieving spouse, an unbelieving family member. It's, it's, it applies everywhere. You've got a neighbor. You've got a coworker. It doesn't matter, a mom or dad. You know, it, the, the call is to provoke to love and good works, okay? Again, why? Because Jesus has done so much for us that this is the outflow of our lives. To, to help each other, to consider to love and good works and, and, and meeting together. And that, that comes up point number three, do not neglect meeting together. That's part of the love and good works, Apparently, at this point, some believers of the, of the very New Testament early church had already formed the habit of not gathering together, attending public worship, and attending, you know, uh, gatherings in homes, perhaps. Maybe they threw a rock and hit the rooster that was crowing on, on their Sunday morning. They kept falling back asleep. Maybe they, they had a Saturday that was simply too busy. They're too tired. They're, you know, hosting a family. They want to bring Who knows? And don't look at me like that. You know what I'm saying? We all can have excuses, right? This isn't new. This is a thing that even happened in the New Testament. And don't misunderstand, I'm not up here getting all legalistic, like you better be in church and you better be in groups every single time or else God is gonna get you. <laughs> no, that, that, that's, that's kind of how I was raised, okay? But, but I do think this speaks to our hearts. Do not neglect meeting together. It's not a legalistic thing, it's speaking to our hearts, I believe. Because if we are not careful, you know, we, 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 one will miss 
Sunday church or, or you'll miss one Bible study or you'll miss one life group. And that one, guess, it's so easy, right? You know where I'm going. It can turn into missing two. Then that two can turn into three. And hey, if we've missed three times, it's no big deal, four, five, six, seven. Then we're like, have you seen that person? Guys, as a pastor, I've seen that too, too much. I've seen it too much where people just get out of the habit of meeting together on Sunday mornings and in groups and ministries. And then there's, they're no longer connected. And actually, this is a disobedience to this command in, the, in our text of Scripture. We're neglecting to meet together. That, that, that's why when you don't see a brother or sister in a bit or for a short minute, you, know, you reach out to them and stir them up, in our, our, as our text says. Because remember, stir means to agitate. Stir means to agitate. Agitate them so they don't settle for individualism and aloneness like the raw sugar on the bottom of my coffee cup. Agitate them so they're mixed in really well, okay? I give you permission. It's okay to be a source of irritation with a brother or sister in Christ pushing them to love and good works and meeting together. Actually, I don't give you permission. The author of Hebrews does, okay? Because <laughs> like I said, we need each other. Like I said earlier, we need each other. Look, when, you, when your spiritual get up and go has gotten up and gone, you need someone to help you. When someone's about to throw in the towel, that's when they need the group. That's when they need the body of Christ the most. And guys, here's the greatest thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this to a close, but the, 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 here's the greatest group right here. You ready for the greatest group ever? One plus one equals Jesus. One plus one equals Jesus. When, when we meet together, Sunday mornings, life groups, women's Bible study, men's ministry, also students, salt, college ministry, and beyond, Jesus is with us. Christ is with us when we meet. That's so important to know. Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said, where, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So according to Jesus, one plus one gathering in his name is Jesus, because he's there as well. Every time we meet together in his name in any context, he's there. And Jesus is all about gathering together. He leads a flock of sheep, not just one or two individual sheep, just one. As a matter of fact, the scriptures show like a good shepherd, Jesus, when there's a sheep that wanders off, he goes out and finds them and brings them back to the flock. And gang, there's power in Jesus when we meet together in his name, like we're doing this morning, like at the various life groups or the studies and ministries, or when two or a few of you get together for lunch or for coffee, or you're, you take a walk together, you exercise together, or when you attend a retreat or an event or, or having other believers to your house, I could continue. And Jesus is there and you encourage each other and you stir each other up. One of the early church fathers, Ignatius, writes, when ye frequently and in numbers meet together, the powers of Satan are overthrown and his mischief is neutralized by your like-mindedness in the faith. It's powerful. So stir each other up. Don't neglect to meet together. Number four, four and five are quick. Jake, if you want to come on up, bro. Four, encourage each other. This is verse 25. Gang, this is part of the stirring to love and good works encourage each other. This is part of the stirring to love and good works. Because the truth is, gang, we are encouraged by each other's stories, 
testimonies and shared faith when we meet together. We are encouraged when we come along and do life with our brothers and sisters in the ups and downs, the highs, the lows, the goods, the bad, the uglies. Right? And tumbleweeds are blowing around. it's, It's awesome. We're encouraged when we're together. And we do this during our life groups. That's exactly what we do in our life groups. They're not social clubs. Not at all. That's what we do in our life groups. And when like the various Bible studies, when they break out into groups, it's all about discipleship. This is where discipleship happens. Gatherings of one plus one or more. And then Jesus is there. And community then flows from discipleship. Community then flows from discipleship. I just told the life group leaders we had a meeting last Sunday night. Listen, we cannot neglect discipleship for the sake of community. And here's why. If you have community but no discipleship, all it is is a social gathering, a civic club, a social party with no real lasting eternal benefit. But if you have discipleship, and community is an outflow of that discipleship, boom, it's happening, and we're stirring each other, we're encouraging each other, and Jesus is praised. Regular fellowship with believers is an essential ingredient in your individual spiritual growth. And we encourage each other through our times of discipleship. There's so many testimonies of, you know, in the life group or the small group, Bible studies, breaking off, praying for someone and God answering, just in our life group. And I asked Melody if I could share this. We, we had a time of asking prayer and praying for each other. And she, she needed God's peace regarding a job. Something was very troubling. And, and, and we prayed for her on Tuesday night. She sent our group, me the next day saying, hey, I got a total peace. God moved and it's awesome. It's amazing to me how many times we'll pray for somebody and the very next day someone's texting, that's awesome, God moved, he answered, and, and it's, it's good. There, there are testimonies of groups being there for each other when in need or they'll supply the need of someone. And it's just good even when we have faith struggles and questions and even doubt to gather together and let others come alongside of us and help us in this journey. So the idea is we have to help each other and be there for each other and consider how to stir each other up. Look, look, you can have nasty breath. I'm just going to let that hang there for a minute. Dramatic pause while Jake plays, all right? Listen, maybe those choppers haven't been brushed in about three days, okay? Even though your nose is right above your mouth, guess what? It's not going to tell you your breath stinks. Even though your nose is right here, you're not going to tell. That's why you ever do a breath check? Some of you are doing it right now. You got to do this, right? You got to breathe in and breathe. What's funny is your own nose isn't really going to tell you your breath stinks, but spouse will, others will, people in the room around you will let you know. You'll talk to them and be like, whoa, bro, come on, dude. When's the last time you brushed those teeth, chief? You know what I'm saying? And guys, sometimes we can be like that. We can be struggling, we can be doubting, questioning, you know, or just things could be kind of stinky in our life and and maybe we oblivious to it or maybe a a brother or sister sees us and say, I'm I'm 
We, we don't see what's going on, but they do, and they come alongside of us and say, hey, man, what, what's happening? I noticed this about you. Can I pray with you? Can I help you? Can I walk with you? The truth is, and it's been put like this, we have to, we have, to have a vertical relationship with Jesus, okay? But this vertical relationship is walked out horizontally with each other. And meeting together and stirring each other and encouraging each other, that's the horizontal relationship that we have with each other. And we do all of this because, number five, the day is drawing near. That's my last point. Oh, yeah, the day is drawing near. The author is talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. How close are we to this great event? Well, listen, we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. And as time moves on, we'll become more busier. But instead, we need to be purposeful and stir each other up and meet together and encourage each other at those meetings, all the while we're looking for Christ. You know, today we have today. We're not promised tomorrow. So the encouragement is to take advantage while you can and gather and don't miss out. Christ is coming. Let's get serving and let's get living for him. And so I ask, again, let's get serving and living for him because he's coming. Let's don't waste any more time. Are you concerned for other believers? Listen, Jesus is concerned for you. He loves you so much just where you are, in a fallen state and in, in, an, in an imperfect state, not doing things perfectly all the time. He is concerned for you and he loves you and he wants you to follow him to forsake everything and follow him. Man, his grace is sufficient. His love covers our sins. And like we read in the first part of our text, we are clean because of the good work of Jesus Christ. His works are good and true and perfect. We follow him. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy and your love. And I just pray that you would help us today Help us to be obedient to your word. Lord, stir our hearts to stir others. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us and the grace that you provide us, the love that you give us, even when we're wrong, even when we're, when we're stinky and stank, Lord. You take off our robes of unrighteousness and put on robes of your righteousness, as the scriptures so. Thank you, Lord. If you're here this morning or watching online and you've not made Christ your Savior and Lord, as we sing this last song, as we pray, you can do that today. And as the Apostle Peter writes, you can make your calling and election sure. Put your trust in him. Confess Jesus with your mouth as your Lord and Savior. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and three days after he was crucified. The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans, then you will be saved. Say yes to Jesus. Choose to follow him. Take the path of the disciple. Be like Christ, not like the world. And one day you'll stand before Christ. He's gonna welcome you into his kingdom. God, we ask this in your precious name. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, amen. Amen. God bless you all today. Let's stir each other up and meet together.